Well, I, uh, I want to say happy, happy Labor Day. You know, sometimes people get Labor Memorial Day and Labor Day and Veterans Day and Fourth of July. They get those dates confused, those days that are set aside uh, sometimes. But Labor Day is a was a day that's designed for those that labor and, and work in the workforce of America. It's a day that's set aside just to acknowledge them uh, for the larger part and to, to it sort of marks the unofficial end of summer. But I hope that you have had a wonderful summer and I'm just looking forward to a tremendous fall. And I just believe that today God is just going to bless you. Don't eat too many hamburgers or too much watermelon, but I just believe God's going to bless you with a wonderful Labor Day Monday. But welcome to church today. Turn around, look at somebody and say, it's good to see you at church. Good to see you, it is. Good to see you at church today. I know a lot of people are vacating, doing that last vacation of the summer. Sarah and I have been gone the last couple of days, and uh, but we wanted to be back for church today. Now, as we, uh, as Sarah and I, we, we, we log a lot of miles on our vehicles. Uh, there's probably a couple types of people in this room this morning. There's those that hardly ever let their, let their fuel gauge get below a quarter of a tank. My father-in-law, he drives a lot as well, even though he's 90 years old. He, he drives a tremendous amount, actually. And, uh, but he's one, he doesn't let his fuel tank get below a quarter of a tank. Most of the time, if it gets down to half a tank, he's going to be buying gas somewhere. Some, some, some people are like that. That may be you this morning. Uh, but, but then there's those, uh, that, you know, they like to run on fumes. I confess. I confess. I want to tell you something. I trust that little Subaru of mine so much. When it says that I have 30 miles left, I believe it has 30 miles left. I have proven to be true. You know? Yeah. But however now when Sarah and I are driving down the road, I, I will often say to her, Don't worry about it. We're okay. Even if that little orange pump is flashing on the dash. Don't worry about it. It says we got thirty more miles. We're gonna be okay. There's a station twenty eight miles up the road here. We're gonna make you know. You know As long as it's still running, what difference does it make? I mean, really, it's still running, so, you know. Of course, mechanics in the room are going to say, yeah, it's hard on your fuel pump, so when it is to run empty, you know. Uh, still running, so you don't worry too much about it until you run out of gas. Now, I don't like running out of gas. I have a time or two, I must admit. However, when that light comes on, and sometimes it does in my in my car, my little Subaru, sometimes that orange light will come on, and sometimes Sarah will say, "You need to get some gas somewhere." What, once that light comes on, I have no choice but to keep going until I get to the next gas station. If I, when that orange light comes on, if I just stop wherever I'm at, I'm 
basically going to be stranded right there. If, if my policy is going to be when orange light comes on, you need to stop. Actually, had it happen on the Harley a few years, a couple years ago. We were in the middle of nowhere, and the fuel light came on on it because I had not stopped and got gas. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, I'm really getting nervous. I'm getting worried. We were in in, in some of the boonies of Bland County and, and Smith County, Virginia, and, and and I didn't know. I was I just already had imagined that we we're going to be sitting on the side of the road on a Harley Davidson. I'll be sitting there taking care of the motorcycle and sitting there on a walk to get kind of gas can but, but when that orange light comes on, you just don't stop, do you? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you run until it comes on too. You keep going when that orange light comes on. You keep going because you know you've got to find or you need to find the next gas station. So it's really stopping is not an option. But what you do have to do is you have to, whether you've got, like, I think, what is it, heat? Three gallons most of the time, what you've got left when the little orange light comes on, something like that. Just, just depends, just depends. Two or three gallons. When, when that light comes on, I, I know that, that I have to use what I have to get to where I need to be to get what I need. Are you with me? I have to use what I have to get to where I need to be, to get to what I need. Okay. Now, when you think about that, I want you to turn to the scripture, if you would, to Second Kings chapter number four, and I'm reading from the New King's wording, New King James wording this morning, because I just thought it was most fitting for for the the, uh, the topic that I'm going to use as my sermon title today. 2 Kings chapter 4, it's a very familiar story. We've all read, it's not really a story, it's really an account. It says that a certain woman, I always like it when the Bible says there's a certain, because it doesn't say it's just some woman, it says there was a certain woman. There was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. That's very crucial to us this morning, that's why I underlined it. He, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha says to her, well, what shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. He asked her, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. I want you to notice the critical wording there. He says, what do you have in your house? And she says, I have nothing in the house. And some of the other more contemporary wording says, except or but a jar of oil. Then he said, Elisha, he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour it. Pour what? 
I mean, think about that. Now, we, we, we've read this whole story, so we know what it, it is, okay? But, but this woman, she's not at the end of the story yet. She's in the middle of the story. And then poor it. That's my head itch, and I don't even have any hair. Pour it into all those vessels. Wow. Doesn't make a lick of sense when you're this woman, this widow woman with two sons, and you know that they're about to come and take their sons into slavery because you can't pay your bills. And this guy says, go home and go home and use what you have. Remember, you have to use what you have. We need to use what we have to get to where we need to be to get what we need. It's very crucial. It's very important from us. So what we find in front of us is uh, uh, some very depressing circumstances, if you would. I think my slide's locked up there, uh, Miss Nikki, if you'll advance one for me, please. What we find is a bit of a depressing circumstance. You may have to go out and go back to it. What we find is a very depressing circumstance. In this depressing circumstance, we find a widow woman. And a widow woman in that day is, is, was much worse than being a widow today. And there's, I know there's widows in the room and, and there's hardships that come from being a widow. We, we know that you that are widows in the room realize that more than anybody. But she was not just any widow, she was a widow with children. Apparently, there were, they were probably smaller children because they still lived at home. And not only did they live at home, but they weren't old enough to work, which would make us believe that these boys were probably under 12 years old. So you have a woman that, that, that she's a widow and she has two young sons in her home and now she doesn't have the means to take care of her bills. She's probably struggling just to feed them and we find that out because she looks at her lack of substance in her home. But she was not just an ordinary woman. She was a certain woman is what the scripture says to us. She was a certain woman, and because she was a certain woman, because she was the wife of one of the sons of the prophets. Now, what does that mean to us today? Because when we begin to think about what is a son of a prophet, the son of the prophets were, actually it was an elite guild, if you would, of, of men. It was a group of men. The sons of the prophets were a, a group of men that were hand-chosen, hand-picked, if you were. Chosen is the word, is the key word, though. They were chosen men to serve under the prophet. They weren't necessarily prophets themselves, but yet they were chosen to serve under the prophet, in other words, to carry forth the prophet's work. Are you with me this morning? So the sons of the prophet are handpicked, they're chosen, if you would, and they're chosen to serve the will of the prophet. Now what happens in all of this is, these men and their families are known to hold all things common. Have you ever heard that before? That, that, that in the, in the New Testament when the disciples all came together, that they came together and they had all things common? 
So these, these, these sons of the prophet, they're, they're called together and they have all things common and, 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 and they're chosen men, if you would. They're chosen men and they're chosen to carry forth the will of the prophet. Now, so what happens here, that explains the widow's plea to Elisha. For Elisha is the prophet. And her husband was a son of the prophet, a chosen of the prophet, to carry forth the prophet's will. So, so everything, the, if, if you would, uh, I, 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 I loosely use this word here, but it's the best word I can come up with. There was an obligation by the prophet to the sons of the prophet. Are you with me? There was, a, there was an obligation by the prophet. He had made a commitment, is probably the better word. The, the prophet had made a commitment to the sons of the prophet. This is the family of the sons of the prophet. So because this is the family of the son of the prophet, then there is also a commitment to this family. While I'm preaching to you this morning, I'm calling, I, I call this message, I wonder what's in my house. And then you see the little gray bird up there on the on your right corner and he says more than you realize more than you realize so what we what we look is the only thing she had in her house where as identified in scripture is just a little bit of oil now what what is oil representative of in scripture all is representative of the anointing what is the anointing? One question leads to another. What is the anointing we must ask? In the Old Testament, it was the mashkah. The, in the Hebrew word, it was the mashkah. Or it was the smearing of oil. A unique blend of oil and spices that indicated a setting apart or a blessedness of somebody. It was actually their empowerment or their equipping. So this woman, this widow woman, with adolescent sons, and, and, and but, but yet she she has she's been committed to by the prophet because her husband was a chosen one to carry out his work. This woman goes to him for help, and he tells her to go back to the house. Go back to the house and there use what you have. And what she has is if you would, oil, literally, but what she has there is an anointing. Thus for today, the anointing is the equipping, the anointing is everything that this woman needed to meet her needs. It's everything that was required to meet her needs. You realize the equipping of the Holy Spirit is everything that you and I need. Or everything that you and I can ever require to meet our needs. Elisha represents the anointing. He's the prophet in this whole account. And, and Elisha in this account, if you would, in the, in the, in the means of typology or symbolism, if you would, Elisha in this account is a type of Jesus. I didn't say he was Jesus. But he is a type of Jesus. Because he is the prophet. He is the, he is the one that distributes the blessing. 
He is the one that is hearing from the Father, if you would, at this point of Scripture. And what Elisha does is Elisha has chosen sons of the prophet, and the sons of the prophet carried forth the will of Elisha, the father or the type of Christ. She's assessed her situation. She recognizes the need of help. And recognizing the need of help means she recognizes the need of a savior. You see, for this widow woman, Elisha was to be her savior. He's the one that could keep her from losing her sons. He's the one that could keep her from losing her home. He's the one that could keep her from being sold into slavery. Are you still with me? Anybody have lost anybody at the point? Wait your hand if I lost So she goes to Elisha, which is her type of savior, her type of Christ, if you would, and she says, I need help. He says, go back home. Go back home. And as she goes back home, I want you to realize with me this morning. As the prophet gives her instruction, that instruction is based on her faith. She believed that this prophet would do and could do what he had promised he could do. You see, you and I must, we must, we must trust the Lord. We must trust Jesus that he can do what he says he can do and he will do it with, with all due diligence when the timing is right and we can trust him in everything he's appointed us to do. Not only does that happen, but let me show you what else takes place. There is a dependence not only in faith, but there's a, there, there is also an act of obedience. You know, it's one thing to say, I know how I have faith. It's one thing to say, yes, I have faith, God can do all things. But faith is not really faith until it's put into action and we begin to be obedient in that faith. Are you with me? When we become obedient to that faith, then all of a sudden, I, I can't remember who it was may have been Oral Roberts. I, I, don't, I don't remember who it was, actually. But that said, faith, faith in action, or faith comes to action. And when our faith comes into action, listen, if you're waiting for it to happen before you believe it, if you're waiting to see it and feel it and touch it before you reach out and take hold of it, guess what? You're not acting in faith. You're acting you're acting in the moment. You're, you're not using your faith at all. But this woman goes back home to what little she had, which she qualified as being nothing. And because she says, the man of God has sent me, the prophet has sent me back. And I'm a widow of the son of the prophet. And he has instructed me that the substance that I have in my home, though I see it as nothing, is going to be sufficient to take care of me in the situation. Situation that I'm now in. So we find ourselves uh, that she goes home. But do you ever think that she was maybe a little bit curious? Do you think that this woman uh, thought, 
But I really know how much oil is in my cruise. I really know how much oil is in this jar. There, there's, there's not a whole lot there. I mean, there's not even enough there to make the next loaf of bread. There's, there's not enough there. If somebody gets hurt, there's not even enough there to pour into the wound. I, 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 know, I'm, I know I'm nearly out of oil, but yet she reacts appropriately. You see, what happens is, This woman has to lose, in other words, to receive the fullness of what the prophet has provided for her. She has to, if you would, go beyond or lose logic to be obedient to the prophet. You understand sometimes you and I, and, and hey, we're Pentecostals in this room. Pentecostals know it better than anybody. But do you realize that sometimes that we have to lose logic in order to obey God? Now, I'm not saying that we act against His Word. I'm not saying that we act haphazardly. But sometimes, sometimes the Lord just tells us to do things that makes absolutely no sense. He says, Naaman, go down there and dip yourself in that. Let me tell you, there is not a nastier river, and I've fished a few, not a lot, but I've fished a few rivers and creeks and stuff, but I've never found one that is much nastier than the river of Jordan. Now, I don't know what it was like in Naaman's time, but go down and dip yourself in that river, and you'll come up clean, you'll come up hill. That didn't make any sense to me. That probably didn't make any sense to Naaman, but, but it made sense that somebody obeyed. God. Sometimes you and I need to do things. God will ask us to do things that don't seem to be logical. They don't seem to make sense. But if we will follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and we will obey the Lord, God will work and He will minister and He will touch our life and He will bring to fruition His plan and His will. You see, that lady, she said, that widow, she said, man, I have, I have nothing in my, she totally disqualified what she had in her house, in her mind. She said, I have nothing in my house except a little bit of oil. You know, sometimes, do you realize, sometimes you and I, we discredit what we have in our house. Sometimes we discredit what we have in our house. Not anything that I've manufactured, mind you. Not anything that you've manufactured. Not anything that you've done. And you may have some very nice things that you've made. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're, you've done pottery. Maybe you, you're, you're a woodworker. Maybe all kinds of, and maybe you have some nice things in your house that you're manufactured. But that's not what I'm talking about. But understand this. Do you realize this? Sometimes we discredit what the Holy Spirit has given us in our house. And rather than using it for the glory of God, we discredit it and say, well, I don't have a whole lot. I'm just a little old me. I'm just, I'm just a little old person over here in little old Blue Well. Over here in little old West Virginia. Uh, we're, we, you know, saying. Sarah and I went to at General Conference a few weeks ago. Sarah and I was we went to a missions banquet one night, and we were sitting at the table with some missionaries and uh, from down in Central America, I believe it was. And they said to us, uh, "Where are you from?" They had very 
very, very, very little uh, ability to communicate in the English language. And uh, that there was somebody there sort of helping interpret. And the one, the one Hispanic guy, he looks at me. He said, "Oh yeah, hillbilly, hillbilly, you hillbilly, like on TV." Been watching the Clampets, you know, Beverly Hillbilly. You hillbilly, like on TV. You make God. I'm a little hillbilly from West Virginia. I'm from Little Mercer County. I'm from Little Old Tassel County. I'm from Little Old Blaine County. Wherever you may be from. But listen to me. Greater is He that is in you than He is in the world. With what God has called you into, don't you discount what He has given you. Don't you discount what He has blessed you with. But you allow Him to take what He has and manifest what He has given you and manifest through it. You and I just need to be Obedient service. There's an old adage that says, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Charlie, you should amen me right there. I heard it. I heard another fellow say one time that he said, Beauty is only skin deep, but ugly it goes plumb to the bone. The beauty's in the eye of the beholder is an old adage we've all probably heard. You've heard Sarah and I, we've mentioned many times that our perception quickly becomes our reality. The way you perceive something, in particular, the way you perceive yourself, the way you perceive what God has given you, it, depending on how you perceive that, that becomes your reality. If your God is some little bitty God, then He's going to be a little bitty God in your life. If your God is some great big God, we were listening to a preacher this morning on the radio, and I, I just, it was, uh, I, I don't necessarily believe in coincidence, but it just, it did just sort of happen when he was listening. And he was talking about how many asteroids are out there in the Milky Way and, and, and how big they are and how many of them could possibly hit the earth and, and all this and that and the other. And I looked at Sarah and said, what does that have to do with anything? She said, I don't know. But, but, but the reality of it is, the reality of it is, I can whatever I perceive, if, if I think on it and I dwell on it, I will become that. But when I perceive that my God is big and my God is mighty, and my God is a way maker and he's a miracle worker and he is a promise keeper and he's going to bless my life. My God will be bigger. Remember that old bird trip used to sing that song? My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. He's bigger than all my sorrows. He's bigger than all my pain. My God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. But we begin to hold our God as the big, the mighty God. Things will begin to change in our life. At this point, this widow, this widow, the wife of the son of the prophet, she looked at the size of her jar, and no doubt she looked at the amount of oil or the lack of oil in her jar, and as words, nothing. I had nothing but a jar. I had nothing but just a little bit of oil indicates the state of thinking that this woman had come to. You see, sometimes you and I, we, we do lose sight of how big God is. We lose sight of how mighty God is. And we lose sight of what God has given us. And there's not a person in this room, there's not a person walk, watching online this morning that God has not blessed immensely. 
There's not a person in this room that God doesn't have great things for. In fact, when we read His Word, He says that He has great things for us. She did the right thing. In, in spite of what we could look at and say, this was a fallacy with this widow woman. She lacked faith. She let her faith waver. She let her faith diminish. Here's the great thing about this woman. This woman knew where to go to when everything else seemed to be caving in around her. When her faith seemed to be failing. When, when, things, when things seemed to be going wrong. This woman went to Elisha. She went to the source. She went to the daddy, if you would. She went to the place... That is her refuge. Or would be her savior. When I read Psalms 46 and 1. I found that David said this. He says. Describing the Lord. You are our refuge. You are my ever present help. In the time of trouble. Listen. Even when we, we, we even when what he has given us seems like nothing to us. Even when our perception has called us to, to maybe drift into a false reality of, of how big and how much we have with God. When we will seek Him, we shall find Him. And when we find Him, we will find out just how big our God is. So we go home. We go home just like that little woman. Because what, in essence, Elisha was saying to her, go home because there you have more than you realize. And I'm not telling you to go home and not come to church. But what I am telling you is, is go home. Go back to that place with God where you once were. Go back to that place with God. What, what you may not have what you want, what you once had. You may not have what you could have had. But I can promise you this: in the moment that you're in right now, what God has given you, His provisions. Remember that old song we used to sing: "Little as much if God is in it." Hmm? If we will realize, no matter how big the measure, no matter. Not to the flesh to live according. 
according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of, the sons of God. You see, son, sonship, if you would, equates to an adoption or in Scripture or the legally binding kinship. You know what? When someone is legally adopted, they are just as legally kin as the natural birth child. And we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been adopted into the true by Jesus Christ, the prophet, if you would. And all those sons themselves were not anointed. The sons themselves were not anointed. They abode under the anointing of the prophet, which in this story, in this case, was Elisha. Do you know what? We within ourselves are not anointed. But I stand under the umbrella of the prophet. His name is Jesus. And I am his son. And every bit of the anointing that is on Jesus Christ spills off onto me. And it spills off onto you. And we're made more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So, because of the sonship of her husband, this woman and her children were living with an anointing in the presence. And they had lost sight of that. Or perhaps. They just didn't really realize that at all. Because. Because this woman. Was a widow of the son of the prophet. There was an anointing. That was abiding in her house. I go back to. To what I've titled this message. If you would. I wonder what's in my house. I wonder what's in your house. The Lord's distributed to you. If, if, if you've come to know Him as, as your Lord and your Savior, and He's filled you with His Holy Ghost, let me tell you something. There is a, something abiding in your house. I promise you. There is something abiding in your house. The enemy may come. He may, he may broke in. He may try to steal, kill, and destroy, which is his job. But I can promise you, there is still something in your house. So this woman goes home. And in the nothingness, or what she perceived as nothing, just that little bit of oil, what happens, this widow discovers in her house is already everything that she has needed all along. You understand this? Don't give up hope. Don't, 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 don't think about quitting. Don't think it's over because it ain't over till it's over. Don't, don't think about, don't think about that it's hopeless. Don't think about that, that, that everything's expired. It's all gone. Because I've got news for you. If you will just simply rise up and use what is in your house, God is going to bless and God is going to work and God is going to minister to the need. You see, the answer to what the woman need, she already had. It was already in her house. But what Elisha the prophet, her rescuer, her, her salvation, if you would, her savior. What, what, what Elisha did, he was just cheering her home. He was just cheering her home. 
Go back to your house. Because what you all have is all that you need. And he's cheering her on. Let me tell you something right now. I believe that the Lord is so confident. He said, I'm not going away to leave you comfortless. But I'm going to send you another comforter. Another way another uh, way to identify that word is another advocate or another source. Or I'm going to send to you my anointing, which is the Holy Ghost. And that Holy Ghost is going to equip you. And when he says that, when we go to the Lord and we, we say, Lord, I need this. Jesus, I need this. Jesus, I need that. Maybe, just maybe, he said to us, I'm cheering you on back home. Because what I've given you is enough to be your supply. And if you'll just go back and you'll take what I have, even though it may not look like you have a lot of it left, if you'll just start pouring it out and you'll start using what I've given you, I'm going to bless you. And we know the story that this woman, her boys went out, they gathered jars, they had milk jugs, they had whatever you can imagine. I can see them with big old iron frying pans and they begin to fill them with oil. They filled them with oil until there was no more to be filled. But it all came out of what that woman had in her house. And I believe the whole time, Elisha's cheering her out. I don't know this happened. This is hypothetical, okay? Maybe Elisha's sitting up on his front porch and he's seeing those boys go from one house to the next house. To the next house, to the next house, knocking on doors. We need another jar. And one of them runs out. He says, Brother, man, brother, there's no more jars to be found. There's no more buckets to be found. Brother, we done filled everything up. There's nothing else we can go and borrow. And Elisha is sitting up there. Because he's cheering them on to use what they have. I believe today, if you would allow me hypothetically, I believe today, if we will just use what we have, if we'll just use what God has imparted. You know, listen, I'm picking on us today because we're Pentecostal. You know, we're awful bad about going to be, Lord, I want more of your spirit. Lord, I want more of the Holy Ghost. Uh, If we'll just use what he has already given us. If we'll just use what he's already distributed to us. It's remarkable. What would occur in our lives. It's remarkable what would occur in the kingdom of God. And the whole time. Keep going. Listen. Out of all the people in the world. That would like to see you falter or fail. I can tell you. One that isn't. His name is Jesus. Because he wants to see you and I use what is in our house for his glory, for his honor, for his benefit, for his praise. Elisha was cheering her, cheering her on because she was using what was in the house. So this morning, I want to remind you just one more time that everything, if you've trusted the Lord, if you have trusted the Lord, if He has filled you with your spirit, you may be waxing low. You may, and listen, and I don't mean to sound incompassionate to you this morning. I, 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 don't, I don't mean to sound like that I don't care. 
I don't, I don't mean to sound unconcerned, but you may, you may be, you may be at one of the lowest points that you've ever been before in your life. And that's what happened to this woman. And she runs to Elisha, and Elisha says, go back home. Go back home. Go back home and use what I've already given you. I believe there's people in this room that's feeling really low right now. I believe there's there's people watching that are feeling really low. But I believe as short as I stand here today, and this message this morning is to say, use what I've already given you. You may think you have nothing, but the whole time you think you have nothing, you've got everything you need. You've got everything you need. If you're born of the Spirit, you have been brought into sonship. Scripture says, "Hereby we were, we cry, Abba, Father, or oh my Daddy." Every provision is yours. We're un, we're we're abiding under that umbrella of the prophet, if you would. His name is Jesus. But more than a prophet, he's Savior divine. His love is matchless. His supply is limitless. His forgiveness is incomprehensible, and his faithfulness is. He has equipped us with everything that we can and ever will need. Just curious. You don't have to answer out loud, but I'm just curious. Is there anybody in the room that knows what the word Christ means? It actually means anointed one. When we read Acts chapter 4 and verse 26, and Dr. and we find Dr. Luke's prayer. And in Dr. Luke's prayer, it says, The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered against the Lord, against his Christ, against his anointed one. Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the way maker. The miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. If he is in your house, you have everything you need. It may not seem like much to you, but you have everything you need. Now, if he's not in your house, then you, you got a different set of circumstances. If you're not saved, you're on a different set of circumstances. But if he... If the Lord is in your house, you've got everything you need, even though it may not look like much. You may be put by a brook kid running, and you may be dependent on, on ravens to come by and drop you care or, or you know, roadkill by for you to eat. But, but listen, but if he's in your house, you've got everything you need.
I don't mean to be insulting, but when it comes to spiritual matters, you don't have anything in your house. Your cupboard is empty, your refrigerator is empty. You have nothing in your house. You're, you're on your own, so to speak. If you're in this room this morning and you've never been saved, or you've drifted far away from Jesus, you've been a prodigal, you need to come back home this morning without embarrassing you. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to drag you out. But I just want to ask you a question. If you're in this room this morning and you're not saved, or you're a prodigal, or I'm wandering far from home, just slip your, your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Is there anybody in this room right now? Take it from the lack of response that everybody in this room is in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not, only you can answer that question. But I, I'm, I'm just making an assumption that everybody in this room is right with Jesus. I want you to look at me for just a minute. With eyes open and heads up, I want to ask you a question. Have, have you been to that place where you just... You're, you just think you can't make it. You're worried about what's going to happen. You only have, I, you, you really have, you're, you're thinking like this woman. I really don't have much left. I hardly have, you know, nothing but a little bit of oil. I, let me tell you something. What God is saying to you this morning, what the Holy Spirit is trying to, trying to get into your spirit is that if you will use what you've got, let me bless, let God bless. Listen, it took a little boy, a little boy didn't have a big old basket load of fish. And, 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 and pieces of bread but he took what little bit he had and they blessed it and they broke it and they fed everybody on that hillside probably closer to 15,000 people because of the way census were done in that day and then they picked up the fragments or the leftovers and they took them home listen to me all God is asking for is let me use what you have in your house and most of us in this room have more in our house than we so if you're struggling today, if you're struggling, if you're if you're trying to come to grips, and it's been hard, and it's been tough, and nobody's saying that it's not been hard, and it's not been tough, but God is saying today, I'll just use what is in your house, and I, I will make the way with what is in your house if you will let me. Is that you today? If it is, I want you to come up here because we want to have prayer with you and for you. Is there somebody in that house right now that is struggling? Pastor, I, I feel like that I don't have anything left. I feel like I've been emptied out. I feel like that there's nothing nothing left for me to do. I'm going to go to the prophet and I'm going to ask him. I don't ask him for help. Is that you today? Anybody in this room? Everybody's good. Everybody's got the victory. So we can sing that old song. Victory in Jesus, my Savior, Reverend. And you can sing that song. I'm good. I'm good. So nobody has a need. Nobody has a situation. Well, I don't want to sit by a preacher because I don't want people to feel like there's something wrong with me. Listen, if you go through this life and you don't have a situation, then there is something wrong with you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And as the whole congregation stands to their feet, we're going to pray. Lord, 
I've done what you've given me to do. My funeral kids to obey you, Lord. Now, Lord, balls you put into play. It's in court. And Lord God, I ask you to take this word and utilize it and minister to hearts and needs in this life. Lord, I, I Lord, I feel with great confidence that there's needs in this room. There's people that feel like that 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 their experience is, is near expiration. They don't have a whole lot left. But God, I pray that today that your word will bring encouragement to them. That the illustration of this little woman just going back and using what was in her house is going to prove, Lord, to, to some people in this room this morning, some people watching my live stream, that God, that you can take, Lord, what you've already given them and you, Lord God, can bless it and multiply and you can cause great success. Not just in our lives because, Lord, our success is not the important thing. But Lord, the benefit of the kingdom is Lord, is what we Lord, pursue today. Lord, may your kingdom be increased. Lord, we pray that prayer all the time. Lord, that your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Lord, so today, Lord, I'm asking you as we, we pray that prayer so many times, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, just to let it come to fruition in our life today. And Lord, let us, let us use what you put in our house. Because what is in our house is sufficient for everything that you called us to. Lord, it was sufficient for three Hebrew boys. It was it was efficient for Daniel. It was efficient for Paul. It was efficient for John as he was sat in a boiling pot of oil. Lord, whatever we have, Lord, that comes from you is sufficient for the day that we live. God, let us be forevermore reminded of that in our spirit. Thank you. 